Welcome to the Not Your Average My podcast, where four Hmong American women working to move our community forward one conversation at a time. So tune in every month with Liz, Mania, Monica, and Katie as we dive into politics, pop culture, and all things related to being Hmong American. Let's get it! Hi listeners, welcome back to Not Your Average My. For today's episode, we're going to talk about, you know, some pressing topics, including COVID-19 or the coronavirus and how that's affecting us and our families, our communities, while also tying in um, the importance of Census 2020 and also we'll provide some time to talk about the presidential election because all, all of these three topics are crucially important, but also um, all tied together. Um, so, you know, we'll just do a quick check-in to see how folks are doing, um, you know, with COVID-19, like how how are you doing? How, how are, How's your family doing? And how have you been taking care of yourself and um, trying to help take care of your family and others as well during this time? So I feel like everything went from like zero to 100 mm-hmm. really quickly. <laughs> and... I mean, I think we all, we sort of already expected it, but everything just happened so fast. And I feel like um, part of it was like my job was just really slow to reacting to it because I was still going to work when I was like really sick the last three weeks. And even though like places started like slowly shutting down, like my work finally just had like a check-in meeting and was like, all right, we're, we understand everything's going on and we're, you know, we just want y'all to know that we're working on it. And, and, you know, they were, but um, it, it just still seemed like it was, we were just so slow because um, our work plan had included um, me and other non-exempt employees to still report like to the office this past week. Um, Cause you know, like we can't work from home like everybody else. Uh, but San Francisco City like issued a shelter in place policy on Monday this past Monday and so of course like everyone in my workplace was just scrambling and they're like forget it everyone's gonna go work from home right um so that was crazy I had to like pick up my desk and take up like pretty much everything I would have if I didn't get go back if I don't get to go back to the office because my last day is April 15th right and everything's supposed to be going on until you want to to clean up now right i'm just kidding (laughs) yeah it was crazy i was just like dude i should just quit now but then you know yeah that that was the other concern so we started working from home all of this week it was just really quiet i think and sf basically just like shut down um all my coworkers are working from home and then um i had gone to davis because Davis didn't have a shelter in place policy yet, but come, I think Thursday night or Friday night, um, governor Newsom issued Mm -hmm. like the whole shelter in place policy for the whole state of California and was like, everybody needs to stay home, practice social distancing. Now do not leave unless, you know, you have to go somewhere for essentials like food and um, seek medical attention. So yeah, it's just I know. really I was exhausting. so stressed out for my parents. So my parents live in Sacramento and mm-hmm. the Bay Area issued their um, shelter in place order. And then Sacramento came out with their legal order for people to stay home unless, again, they need to go out for essential activities. But my parents are planning a funeral for an extended grandpa who passed away. And my family and I, my sisters and I have been telling them, like, you cannot have this funeral if people are going to get sick. And then with this legal order, that means that you can be charged with a misdemeanor if you're caught, right? And yeah, we've been telling them yeah. and just like, yelling at them. But 
they won't listen. But for some reason, they decided to talk yesterday to postpone the funeral. So I don't know when the funeral is going to happen. But I'm also like, oh my gosh, thank God. And I told my family to prep way before they did it. So like I had to send – I had to order stuff on Amazon or Whole Foods to just ship things to my parents' house because they were not preparing for this at all. So, oh, no. For but me, they I have rice, like- right? Because they're a good monk house. <laughs> <laughs> they have enough for themselves. They didn't go and, ba- and buy like seven bags of rice like other families did. To be honest, that is not – That's please good. Do not, please don't that is not – Keep hoarding, yeah. okay? You, can, you should not be hoarding. Um, but my family, my parents have enough, enough rice. <laughs> That's good. I think the hardest thing, yeah, has been trying to tell all the Hmong people and families as heartbreaking as it is. Like, you cannot I have know. your funerals, your it's weddings, so stressful. Your, like, Hmong parties. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah, California. I mean, I think personally, too, I was just feeling really, like, anxious because, you know, this is, like, the first time I'm not with my family doing, like, a major mm-hmm. crisis or you know, something major like this going on in the world. Like I wasn't really scared for myself, but just sad that like we're not all together and worried that like my parents, you know, won't have anyone there to like support them. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's just been really like over. Katie, what about you as as a um as a teacher? Like how are things going? You know, it was really yeah, it's just sort of just like a rude awakening or sort of because we were just getting off of the teacher strike and then all of a sudden we were told that we could go back for like two days to prep with the students and stuff. And then it's like, oh no, just gonna be teachers prepping. And so we went in and we kind of cleaned out our like classrooms and the materials that we needed to bring home and then like set up with like the students with their iPad so they could do a pickup. And, you know, I mean, it was just hard and sad because we didn't have closure from like our last event to this. And so it was just sort of streamlined over. And, um, you know, depending on if you were tech savvy <laughs> enough in your classrooms beforehand, you know, it was really what is, you know, like going to mm-hmm. be tested now, like the students and teachers. So that's like going to be hard for a lot of people to adjust to. And depending on like what's going to happen, because I know like I think in other states, they decide to go online for the rest of the year. But here in Minnesota, it hasn't been called yet. You know, we're just taking our couple weeks precautionary as it comes. And, you know, I mean, it's hard. And like on my personal life, you know, it's hard too because I have to balance the teaching other kids mm-hmm. online and teaching my own kids and then trying to like fill in the gaps of what are we going to do. And plus one of my son, he has asthma. So we're trying to be like really cautious around him and be like, so we probably can't go anywhere. Should take any do anything and make sure he has meds on hand and you know i mean like with that i mean the the good thing so far is that they're like you know little kids aren't really affected by it and they can get over it you know but we haven't seen that yet and you know i mean nobody wants to test that on their own kids you know so we're just trying to take like all the right precautionaries and you know went to target to look for like female pads and i was surprised that they were all sold out <laughs> yeah. i understand the culture, but i'm just like i'm like is everybody having their cycle together or are people wiping their butts with this because you know you can't flush that stuff so it's like where is it okay i mean i i ended up with like you know tampons but still yeah i'm i'm so sorry man everything uh these major stores are well, except for my Safeway, because I live in a poor neighborhood, and so people don't have money to stock up. So we have food and everything still on our shelves. The only thing that we're sold out on is um, antibacterial wipes, but like everything else, like we still have everything because people just don't have the means to like. That's buy. still so sad. No, I know Liz. it's sad. Like yeah. every time I've gone to the grocery store here, like some people have been out there like asking for money outside the grocery store, but like 
this is why our grocery store is still stocked because people just don't have enough money to like mm-hmm. buy in bulk. I mean, it, I, I guess just going back to like the feminine products though, like I don't understand Because why. you don't know how long it's going to last. Hey, I'm sorry. I have three because they were on sale. I, mean, I got I three boxes. That too. I that's true. Like I get it. Like I went and restocked just because like I know my cycle was coming back up. But like when I heard, you know, all the St. Paul stores like or the Target in St. Paul like being sold out in feminine products, like what the fuck? Like why are people hoarding these things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm or, just like, dang. And I don't even have my period that much. Okay, yeah. I have it like twice a year because <laughs> I'm on birth control. Right? So I'm sort of like, <laughs> all right, cool. I'll, this will pass, but still, like for other things. And yes, you mm. know, like baby wipes and diapers. Yes, and that was the I other thing. That too. So it was sort of like, if you don't need the baby wipes, you don't have a baby, don't buy it. There's, mm-hmm. you can still shower. I don't know what's wrong with people. I'm like, you could still shower. Your water's no, not being shut off. I think off, they're so buying, people are buying it to shower. make their own like antibacterial wipes with alcohol and stuff. So you're like taking the wipes. Well, I think people were buying baby wipes too in place of TP because, you know, toilet paper is running out. Use so water. Use a bidet. Like I know. I know. The toilet well, paper is not running out. It's just because people keep hoarding yeah. them. Let's mm-hmm. get to that straight, guys. Yes. There's an article about that, how toilet paper production will likely not stop because it's so cheap to make and we're not – we don't – like the companies won't shut yeah, down yeah. apparently. I think though we also shouldn't – necessarily shame people for hoarding because I think that like I mean I just thinking about a lot of this right like our parents have gone through a lot of trauma as like refugee people who like you know had to have nothing and like you know they just they didn't have anything when they were fleeing right so like I think you know on the flip side right like we I know it's like it's really upsetting when they're among people who Mm -hmm. apparently like fighting each other for rice and stuff right but like a part of that is just because it's like in your DNA that, oh my gosh, like you have to prepare and you don't know how much you have to prepare, right? Because there's yeah. so much uncertainty. And so like, I, I think, think it's a lot right, like on like, the flip side, like I know it's not. Okay, I, well, I, mom families are not, that, but we should, but we also should. The thing is that mom families are hoarding rice, but they're not hoarding hand sanitizer or hand soap. So yeah, I mean, yeah, so there's that, there's that. But like, I'm just saying in general, we shouldn't, don't shame people for I mean, hoarding okay. because, like, you know, we I don't know. Like if you have two weeks to a month supply of cleaning supplies or toilet paper or non-perishables, yeah. that is completely understandable. But if you are just, like, if you keep going to buy these products and, I mean, just for yourself or for your family and you have way more than enough, then, like, please stop going to the store or be a good person and share them with people who don't have them right so for me it's like there's no point of hoarding to the point where you need to return these items because you don't need them for yourself or for your family right so i think that there is a point where you need to stop buying right these items and there is a point in terms of preparing but for my parents like they're like oh i can just go to the store to buy whatever so i i don't need to prep but then i actually bought them like at least a week or two weeks worth of stuff so that they are prepared Mm -hmm. but i think that there's uh there are there are people who have gone way beyond yes. you know a month or two months or three months or even four months right so that they can probably out of it i don't i, I mean, mean i don't was, know that I mean, would there be was insane a, that but... article where this guy 
you know, bought a bunch of hand sanitizers and a bunch of um Oh, but that wasn't for himself. He meant to sell yeah, that. He was an yeah, asshole he, who meant yeah, to I know he meant to sell that. He meant to capitalize on that. Right. So that's definitely an issue. But we also do know people who have been buying way too much that they need to. Yes. I yeah. I second so, that. I'm like, if you have enough to last you, yes, hoard for yourself enough. But after that, I mean, it's not going anywhere. And I think that people gotta realize that it's also hurting you too, because you're spending money on things that you really don't need. Yes. So, I mean, like, and especially in the middle of like uncertainty, you need to save that money because we don't know how long we're going to be out of work. We don't know how long we're going to be home for. Yes. So like just be savvy mm-hmm. and just be like, you know, like be good about it, I guess. So I kind yeah. of want to move um, move on from this topic. But, you know, Katie, in terms of like being a teacher, like how do, how can people support you know, our teachers and folks on the front lines, right? Like you, you're still teaching via an online to your students. Like how can community members or how can um, all of us support teachers and uh, folks during this time period? Um, I would definitely say like reach out to your families who might not be able to connect onto like the internet or just walk them through. And I think that's what like a lot of our problems is like language barriers. And then like, of course, you know, property. Do these kids even have internet? I mean, how do we set these things up for them? Mm-hmm. How do we get these connections to them? Especially now that we're all away from home and our only means of communication is through the phones or through like an email. And if they can't even get it in the first place, how are they going to get it? So if you know somebody and you can reach out to them like make sure that they're good and they're checked in you know and like these kids you know like you know our biggest worries is definitely if they're gonna have the support at home because you know the equalities will show up and then like are they gonna be fed and are mm-hmm. are they in the same space you know those are definitely our worries as teacher when we send these kids home for like a uncertain amount of time and i know these kids have the same worries and stuff and like i said language barriers things like that I think like what I was telling some of my other friends, if you guys want to do like read aloud books and stuff like that and record it, send it into a teacher, mm. they can share that with their kids. We're just filling in as much as we can. And I know that there's some copyrights issues and a lot of authors are like saying you guys can use it for your personal use and stuff. So definitely double check on that. But really right now, it's sort of just like a free for all. Some districts are better than other districts. I know my own district, we're pretty on top of it but other districts are really hurting and I don't know how they're going to get through it some I think I heard that some districts have just decided to call school off for the rest of the year too so like I mean yeah yeah, so it's sort of like how are we going to meet these kids are we going to like you know like are there private things that are funding for like books and worksheets and um, curriculum that they can use at home because if you don't have the money for these these kids are definitely going to fall behind and these are it's what's really going to hurt us all as a society from like 10 from 15 years from now and they can't add or they can't read or something like that these are real problems that we need to address and the best ways to reach out to your own personal kids or kids that you know in the community and see what your community is doing to support them yeah can you talk a little bit about what's um St. Paul Public Schools did with like the food donations and like how students can get free meals, Katie? Because I know yes. that's like the big, the next biggest issue that you guys are facing and every other school district was across the country. For the food part, there's like food stops at the like bus stops have turned into like food stops and then like schools have turned into like food stops too. And it's once a week that they can pick up for their food for like, so you'll get five meals of breakfast and five meals of lunch mm. for that week. So it was this last week, this upcoming week, there would be no food given out during spring break. And then mm. if there's like um, more timeline after that, we'll adjust. But I believe that they might be readjusting it to begin with because I know by Friday we ran out of food because yeah. it was sort of like first come, first serve. And if you just asked for this many, they were going to just do on the honor system and give you that many too. <laughs> and I believe like other people from other districts were coming in for the food too. I believe it's mm-hmm. a great program and it works really well. But 
I just don't think we're ready to deal with the amount of people that they had show up. Mm -hmm. And then there's also like local food banks and stuff like that are doing the same thing too. Yes. So if if anyone can or has the ability, like those people who are hoarding supplies and food, please donate to your local food shelters or your schools like that need the food to feed these, you know, students. Um, I know the Bay Mm -hmm. Area is doing that, like a number of, um, of the Bay Area school districts have been giving, you know, food or, or arranging similar uh, systems like what St. Paul mm-hmm. is doing um, for every child, under, you know, 18 and under, um, especially those in like low income districts can come and get yep. free meals. Um, and I know a lot of n- restaurants are also participating like there's um, and we'll share these in our resources, but a number of St. Paul um, and Minneapolis restaurants were offering free meals for students and they just have to call ahead um, to yes. reserve that meal. So yeah, definitely do your research, um, stay informed and check out, you know, we'll share some resources on our website. So check them out as well. I want to talk about one more thing before we move on from COVID-19. So we know that with how the political environment is with President Trump talking about COVID-19, calling this the Chinese virus, we've seen increased racism against AAPIs. That's you know, that is, first of all, horrible yeah. for our current administration to be talking about this disease or this virus in this way, racializing it. You know, I, I really want to talk about, like, how can we protect our communities, our AP, API sisters and brothers and families, especially during this volatile time? And um, what are some resources in terms of reporting these racist incidents? I'm just going to say, I don't think we can protect per se i know some people are posting like oh go out in groups and you know stuff like that but um i mean in general you shouldn't be out late anyway because a lot of places are putting in kind of like light curfews but i think the big thing is just uh being aware of your surroundings and being supportive of people you know who who might need your support and a lot of it is like you know it'll it'll vary right they're like microaggressions versus like all the way to like violent acts Right. Like the other day we went grocery shopping and like the cashier definitely did not want to serve me <laughs> um, wow. because I, I cough. But because I I have um, asthma now, like with onset of allergies and because we didn't have a winter, like the pollen count is super high. So I've been coughing everywhere. And um, so the lady at the grocery store was like not wanting to serve me. And then my Lyft driver <laughs> opened the window because I was coughing once. And I was like, dude, that's not going to stop it. <laughs> if if I had it, like, and I was coughing, you would get it. I mean, there are a lot of occupational hazards and props to all the people still working because, you know, they have to and, you know, because they're doing service. But, like, um, you know, it's going to happen. You just understand, like, you know, at least some of the stuff is not violent. And if it is, then, like, you know, you do have to report it. You should report, report it local law enforcement. And if they don't do anything, like the guy in New York, some guy tried to report this, like, white dude for spitting on him. And the officer was like, well, that's not a crime. But that's not true. So you also have to be persistent. And I think we just have to make sure we remember to like protect and support each other. Yeah, like I actually had a Hmong breakthrough student. I mean, she's she's much older now. She graduated from college already, but she reached out to me and was like, I mean, this was like probably two weeks ago. She reached out to me on Facebook and was like, hey, like, you know, my family members are experiencing um, microaggressions and racism when they're going out in public. Oh, like, how yeah. should I deal with this? Right. And but I thought it was really yeah. brave of her to even speak about it and to ask for support, right? So for me, I, I mean, I was honest. I was like, you know, I'm not a person to not say anything. So depending on the environment, if it's a safe space where I feel like there are people around me, then I won't say something. Right. But if, if I feel like I, I'm not physically safe with that person, then I won't. So I, you know, I just told her like, it's, 
it's really important to use your best judgment in these situations. Like it's really scary, yeah. but at the same time, like do you let people get away with it? Right. You know? Um, so I, I feel like I couldn't really offer her any suggestions in terms of going about that other than to use her best judgment in these situations. Um, but, yeah. but it's hard. Like people are reaching out and asking how should they deal with this? So, you know, just really curious, like how, like how, how do people navigate this, especially during this, environment i guess it just depends right like i think that's a tough there's like no right or wrong answer right like what you said Minya. like it's really using your best judgment and then also i think what's really important is you know standing up for yourself whether that means walking away and then reporting it or standing up to your you know the aggressor who's like taunting you if you feel safe and compelled to right and and then reporting the crime like i i think it it, it varies right based on like who you are, like if you're capable, if you're able to even stand up to this, to these, you know, atrocious, like hate activities. But like, I do know, you know, a number of like the Asian American Pacific Islander organizations have been tracking hate crimes and, and they've, um, if I have had like a hate crime website, like, um, Asian Americans Advancing Justice had a, you know, hate crimes website since 2016, OCA, um, National also had one, but recently it, because, of the spike in, you know, racist attacks against Asian Americans. I think the the Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council created an, a specific mm-hmm. API hate crimes website so that people can actually report, you know, the incidences and the, the crimes that have been committed against them. I don't know if it'll lead to anything or if that means someone will reach out and provide them like legal support, but that is one way. I But I think mostly important is just, you know, really like, if you are able to like speaking up in like, or standing up for yourself or for the the victims or whoever is, you know, around you. But I think also like what you said, it's so hard to tell, right. If you're safe or not in that environment. And, and, and like, sometimes when it happens to you, you're so like shocked and dumbfounded that you also don't know how to react. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, react like, I don't that. know. Yes, totally. Like, I think I've had so many instances where people have said super racist things or like hella micro like aggressions towards me, but like I was just so dumbfounded, like I didn't know how to react and until I processed it later. But you know, yeah, because like similar to Liz, you know, when I was really sick um, the last two three weeks, and me and Nick were in an Uber. Like by that time, I was like on the tail end of my sickness, but I still had like a lingering cough. The other, we were in a shared Uber, so the other white guy in their car definitely looked at me every time I coughed, and I was like, "Bitch." <laughs> Like, what are you looking at? But it was, I didn't say anything because obviously I knew he was looking at me. And it was funny because my Uber driver knew too. And so, you know, he was actually my ally in that situation. He, I forget what he said, but he said something, he he cracked a joke and he tried oh, to like really lighten the situation and like yeah. make fun, like sort of poked fun at the passenger or try to make him more uncomfortable because <laughs> yeah. that bitch was making me uncomfortable. Right. And then after he dropped him off, he was like, yeah, I totally saw that guy looking at you every time you cough. I'm like, yeah, I don't have the virus. <laughs> like, I promise you, if I did, I wouldn't. You should have said that. But no, I said that okay, to my first driver, of all, but like, honestly, honestly, like, we were dropping off the guy anyway. And it's like, do you want to engage, right? Like, what Anya was saying. Yeah. Like, oh, not. Or like, do you need to explain right, to people? Like, do you know right, what I'm like, No, like, you it's, don't. It's so right. annoying. And, and, you don't. But I would have, I would have called them out as they got out and said, I don't have the virus. Like, have a great day or stop being racist, right? Because I've I mean, done that before. Yeah. But, when I've shared rides with people, like as they're leaving, because like obviously they're there, they're gonna leave. They're not gonna come oh, back no, to the I car. Know, that's but stupid. it's also like you know, it 
like it, you're in a tight situation in, 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 a, in a closed vehicle, right? So it's like this yeah, guy could yes. have a gun or a knife on him. Like you don't know. And I also am like, <laughs> is it worth my energy? Is it worth yeah. like doing that? And like it already – because I didn't know if the Uber driver also felt the same way or not. But um, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was there and he was my ally in that spot or in that situation. But, you know, it's things like that where like I was coughing a lot on BART. And there was one morning where another white woman just looked at me every time I coughed and she would like put her like shirt up like this, like to cover her, her like face. And I wasn't even like Uh close to her and I was still coughing. I had a mask on and I was still coughing in my arm. But anyway, I think my point is. So Monica, she she has stayed home. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly, (laughs) so I did stay home though, but these were like the instances when I had to go back to work after um, mm-hmm. I had already stayed home like four days, like, or actually four, four work days. And if you include the weekends, like I was home for almost a week, like I was home for like yeah. six days and I just had a lingering cough. Right. And my doctor was like, yeah, sometimes it just takes up to four weeks to get rid of it. And that was still only like week two and three. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think my point is like, I, I totally echo what you're saying, Minya, and like, Honestly, if you can and you're able to, yes, yeah, stand up for yourself or find an ally or or hope that someone is able to speak up on your behalf and, and don't be afraid to report that shit. Because obviously, you know me, yes. like I'll call shit out when when it's necessary and when I think it's <laughs> like worth my time and energy. But I'm like, well, this dude is leaving anyway. Like, I don't I don't think it was worth me to mm-hmm. like call him out. And who knows? Maybe he was just twitching. I don't know. Maybe he was just like like staring at me for for other reasons no whatever no 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 no, no, no. but I mean I think what you felt is very valid and I think the biggest takeaway is like we have to be allies for other people and definitely support your your family and peers to report you know whether it's to the attorney general or some other law enforcement place or a nonprofit. like those are like the two big things to Mm -hmm. quote unquote protect right because you're not going to be able to prevent these things from happening right yes I agree but I also feel like reporting these things can potentially lead to identifying policy solutions to prevent this type of behavior in the future, yes. right? So I feel like when if, if we do have strong data to back this up that like, hey, you know, this is there's been a spike, this is happening, I feel like our legislators are more willing to look into the issue. Yes. So for me, I'm like, please report if you can, we'll share these resources with you all on our on our website. So I want to connect this to um, the census. So for our listeners who are not familiar with that, a census is an official complete count of a, of a population. So our country gets to um, count um, its population or it, uh, every resident in the U.S. Um, one time every 10 years. And this data is really important because, you know, this data really determines the number of seats that each state has in the U.S. House of Representatives. And also it's used to distribute bi- billions of dollars in federal funds to states and local communities. So I really want to get your perspectives on this. For you personally, why do you think that it's important for our Hmong and larger Southeast Asian communities to be um, counted or included in the census? And like, why is it so crucial? show this year feel free to jump in really want to get your perspectives on this just to tie it back to the covid stuff a lot of the federally qualified healthcare centers are treating people and they are they're more affordable right and they're they're particularly like good resources for people who don't have health insurance and so i mean like in times like this right where like there's a great need for providers um, we want to make sure that we have an accurate count of everybody in the community. So like if, you know, we see that there is a lot of people and there's only like, and there, there is a low like ratio 
um, you know, for hospitals or clinics, right? Like maybe that's an area where, you know, either the private sector or the government would want to open a, a clinic or, or in this case for like um, a, a federal qualified health center, right? Like devoting more resources and more mm-hmm. money to an area. So how can people make sure that they're counted? What are various ways for people to be included in the census? Um, I'm going to jump in. I'm just going to say to be included, open up your mail because you should have received a letter in the mail with your your code because I just did fine. You probably have a reminder by now. Yes. So, I mean, like, yes, you probably actually, there's probably like three, four letters. Like, honestly, there's a lot of letters. You just got to open it up and it's like a code and you type it into like, you know, um, my census 2020.gov I believe because I was like I just did the other day and it took me like 10 minutes to do a household of six people so what you're going to do in there is like you just you verify your address and then who's staying in your household and it's me my husband my three kids and then plus his brother's here for college so he's included in our household so if he's going to be here for their time period that asks you just fill it out and it's going to ask you for their names their birthdays and then if they're a male, female, and I believe that's about it. And and that was really easy. There's nothing else, nothing like more personal than that. So it's going to take 10 minutes of your time to do if you want to be accounted for. And I definitely did because, you know, eventually I want like a slot that says Hmong and not other Asians. Yes. So if we get enough people, we might yes. get a slot there, guys. So what if you moved? Because I moved recently. I haven't received anything in the mail. Oh, so... Um, a couple things. The count is where you are on April 1st. And so you should not count in DC, I guess, unfortunately. Um, I guess you would count in. It's okay. Virginia's better to Virginia. count it anyway. <laughs> yes. And I guess, yeah, technically, it's probably better because yes. now you're in like a battleground state. Yes. Or but yeah. Vote in the primaries, then it'll make, it'll, uh, it'll it'll make, a, make difference. a difference. Yes. Yes. My um, yep. I think, um, but you don't need a code. So if you if you're like missing a code or whatever, um, you can just call a, a phone number. We can put it on their website. It's one eight four four three three zero twenty twenty, and um, they'll they'll get you squared away. Um, that's also like an alternative to doing it online. Um, that's for people who don't have access to. Um, the internet and especially now with like the libraries being closed and you know like a lot of public places being closed like I guess you know folks will just have to rely more on that because you can do your census over the phone yes but Mm -hmm. they but since this year is the first time the census bureau is conducting the census online they um they're strongly encouraging everyone to fill it out online and so hopefully if you're able to please do so um I know for my foundation, um, we've been giving some additional grants as, just to uh, support the census efforts. And so um, in the really rural, like Northern and Central Valleys, um, we gave about five grants to different um, community organizations. And there are also- That's really good. Um, yes. And Hmong Innovating Politics happens to be one of them. So I was very excited about Yay! that. Um, <laughs> but- uh, I wanted to add that in those very rural areas, like in Oroville and Butte, Butte County, um, which, you know, there's actually a really high number of Hmong people, Hmong population there. Um, they also have these, what they're calling Q, QEDs or QKCs, like uh, kiosks, where you can actually go and get help mm-hmm. and fill out um, your census at these little kiosks. I don't know if this will change because of the coronavirus or COVID-19. And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, this virus has impacted a lot of different activities and it impacted a lot of our grantees, right, who received this grant funding to do their work because they had to change um, 
completely changed their like census outreach plans, right? So obviously like this, everything is being impacted, but everyone is still like making tremendous effort to make sure everyone's counted. Like these organizations are sending out mailers to people who um, are, who don't live in traditional homes. Like, did you guys know the government won't send you mailers if you um, don't have a physical address? So these organizations stepped up and had to print their own materials and send census mailers to people who are living in trailers and who only have PO boxes. Like, because um, mm-hmm. that wasn't part of like the the Census Bureau's like official outreach, right? So there are a number of things that uh, different organizations are doing, and I think California is just special because we're like huge and um, California um, a lot of like of its state money towards these efforts. But and the really well, but California has a vested yeah. interest because you guys are set to lose a couple congressional seats because you've had more people leave the state than come into it, really, and so like they really need to count. Yes, so there's a net. There's a net loss of people, so they stand to lose a couple of congressional seats. So um, this is why the state has decided to spend so much more of their own money making sure they count everybody. Again, folks are able to pitch in where you can. If there's translated materials, or even if there aren't, like I know people are always looking for support to translate materials. So say if you can fill it out for like your parents who may not live with you for their household and mm-hmm. use their cold, or like mm-hmm. other people who may not be able to like, you know, just have access or they just don't know how to, you can yes. still fill it out with them using their information. You can just, you know, be there. It's going to take 10 minutes of your time. So yes. go ahead and just get those things filled out. Yep. And I wanted to stress this before um, kind of move on to um, another topic for today's conversation. So all of the topics that we talked about in our um, podcast, you know, before, right, like domestic violence, immigration, mm-hmm. um, gun violence, right, like the census gets to determine the number of like the amount of money that will go to these states to fund programs like yeah. that. So it's so important for you to be engaged, for you to be included, uh, because essentially you get a voice mm-hmm. in the funds that will be allocated to address these issues that we talked about in our podcast so far. And we know that domestic domestic violence, gun violence, immigration are are so important to um, our mall community and larger Southeast Asian community. Yes. Um, so uh, can I just add really quick for the, for uh-huh. and ask and to clarify for folks, was there a citizenship question on the census and should people be afraid to fill it out? There is not a citizenship no, question okay, at no. all. So yeah. it's just about. Because the nonprofit suit. Yes. Yeah, so it's about your name, your race, your birthday, and if you live at that address. I mean, Perfect. and if you're female or male, and that's as easy as it is. And I think if you're married or living with a partner or whoever's in your household. So so please don't be afraid to fill it out, folks. You don't have to be a citizen to be counted. And so um, for mixed status families, they should count everybody. Great. Okay, so we know that 2020 presidential elections are happening this year. Yeah. I mean, given the landscape right now, we don't know what's going to happen. Why is everything happening this year? Yeah, everything's happening. We have an election. We are going to continue the election. Okay, there's no question about that because we have to have an election. No, we have to have an election. I mean, it needs to happen yes. for sure. So we have currently student debt. We have soaring healthcare costs. Uh, there's a housing crisis, the current coronavirus pandemic, so many issues that are happening that are not new to our country. Um, so I think it's really important to talk about the presidential candidates. And, um, you know, before we get started, so um, just some information that DNC is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin this yes. year in July. Again, it's supposed to be. Who knows yeah. if they'll continue? Yeah. 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 
happen. Um, so there are two Democrats left and running for president, right? So former Vice President Joe Biden and Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Um, so before we get started, I kind of want to talk about like how does the DNC pick a candidate? Because I think for me, I even have a hard time thinking about why should we vote in the primaries when DNC is going to select a candidate in the end anyway, right? Like, does your vote even matter? So for our listeners, can we kind of provide that context first before we kind of move on into who we are potentially endorsing or who who we think will be a good candidate? Um, So I think maybe to back up a little bit. uh, Yeah. So a lot of people say that even though we don't say it, our democracy is set up to have like a two party system. So that, you know, you always have the democratic um, national committee, the DNC and the Republican National Committee. Obviously, the current president is a Republican and typically, right, like your party endorses you unless there's a primary challenger. Um, There were some rumors, but no one's challenging Trump. So Trump will be the Republican candidate. And then so the more exciting thing is our Democratic race where everyone had thrown their hat in the ring. And so you can like run your campaign as early as possible to get delegates. And then so the delegates are determined by like the different primaries that you win uh, certain states. Um, this is why the census is important because the number of people in a state determine the um, number of delegates you get and also right like the number of congressional seats, right? So the, the rule of thumb is usually like the number of delegates you have is the same number of congressional districts you have in your state. So California has a lot of Congress people representing it. They also have a lot of delegates. This is why, you know, like certain states are like big states up for grabs. And like there's a there's a series of primaries that happen before the general election. And that determines how many delegates you get. You're quote unquote promised the delegates depending on how well you do. And then everyone shows up to the summer convention before the fall election. And that's where the delegates come and they cast their ballot for who they're supposed to cast it for. But it's also really weird because that's just the the political parties like officially endorsing their candidate. And then after that convention, there is a clear Democratic candidate that's endorsed to go to the November election. Like primaries are part, but in general, like, you know, you should just vote every year because there's always local elections. Um, and, and really like the way we should be building a good pipeline of like young progressive leaders so that we don't have just like you know, two cisgender white guys, um, you know, as Democratic mm-hmm. candidates, right, is like encouraging people to run for local positions um, to like develop their um, their expertise yeah. and develop their ideas. And so they can like run for a higher office. And so we can have more diverse candidates. Yeah. So vote That's, every year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I am, you know, to be honest, I am kind of disappointed that we have two cisgender white male candidates. We're over for- the age of how much? Just kidding. I know, you guys. I I was so excited in the beginning because we had such a diverse group for the first Mm -hmm. time, right? Like women candidates, uh, people of color. And then we're, you know, we end up with these two men. So which other the candidates are you supporting and why? And, you know, have you made a decision or what are your thoughts in general? I don't know. Are we ready to discuss this? I'm personally on the fence. (laughs) Still. But Um, I have said I'll support whoever gets the nomination. Because they're two white dudes who I was not rooting for from the beginning. Like, mm. obviously, you know, I was I was rooting for other candidates, and I know these are like the the remaining candidates. So I'll of course support whoever gets the nomination. But I also feel like that's really sad and shitty, you know, because like that's essentially what resulted in the quote unquote protest vote 
you know, back in 2016 and that lost us in the election yeah. because everyone was pissed that their candidate wasn't, um, you know, the nominee. So, I mean, obviously I'm not going to do that. Man, <laughs> I am so sure that 2020 is going to be your yeah, repeat of 2016, too. right? But, so, wait, okay. no, but I, I don't think so. But sorry, I don't want to cut you guys off, but I don't think so. Oh, well, maybe Liz can Why explain that later. So? But uh, yeah, I'm on the fence right now. I don't know who... Um, obviously I really like Sanders ideas and I think they're similar to what my candidate was supporting, but you know, on the other hand, like I know it's really hard for him to get legislation passed. So obviously Biden would be the only person Mm -hmm. who has the actual like political savviness to do it, um, to get things done. Okay. I want to be super optimistic. Like, Mm -hmm. like Monica, I want to be optimistic. Right. (laughs) So I feel like my, Right now, my ideas align more with Sanders. Um, however, I think that Sanders, it's hard because, you know, the people who support him are super, super left, yeah. I feel like. Um, and I think it's going to be hard to have somebody who is so radical on the left end to be nominated, to be to be elected as the president, right? And, and then for Biden, you know, he's just... I feel like his time is yeah. up. You know, like it's time to move on to something else. And I think he will be nominated um, as a Democratic candidate. However, I am not sure people will vote if for him. people will vote for yeah. him. I feel like the protest vote is going to happen yeah. again if Sanders doesn't get elected, right? I mean, nominated, right? Because that's what happened with Hillary and Bernie back in 2016. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm afraid of. Um, but then again, like you, Monica, I will vote for whoever the DNC nominee is yeah. um, because I feel like either option will be mm-hmm. so much better than our current administration right yes. now. So I think a couple things. Um, I think this will be different from 2016. Noting that white women voted for Trump. So I don't know what happened there, but you know, that's, that's, that's a fact again. that white women voted for Trump. But the other thing is like, there was also a lot of misogyny against Hillary, right, which I think will not happen because there are two white guys running um, to be the Democratic candidate. I mean, the second thing is, I mean, just realistically, right, like going back to the whole delegate thing, like, Joe's numbers look great for him. So like, yes, he's like, likely the Democratic candidate. I mean, that's why I was kind of like, I don't even think this discussion matters. But it's more like, about the system and how we should abolish, abolish the Electoral College. Because that's the only reason why, like, all the delegates matter slash, like, because the, your delegates are the ones that cast your ballot later. That's how you can guarantee that even after the general election, like, the people voting for you are, like, casting the electoral ballots for you. You know, and so, like, I mean, our system is just not great for mm-hmm. for uh, more diverse candidates. So you're saying the protest vote won't affect, like, Biden. I don't think that's yeah. true. I think there's going to be a lot happen. more this time because Sanders' base seems a lot stronger this time, if not yeah. equally. Um, I don't know about that. I, I I don't know about that because uh, the base of the Democratic Party is Black women, and um, the Black community seems to really be like coalescing around Joe Biden, oh, which is sure. the reason why he's been doing so well with his with his um delegates. And so, and and I mean, like Bernie's great. I love his ideas. I love his like economic policies, but he definitely has a race problem and he hasn't resolved it. And so like, that's why he's not winning. And so like, right. Like, like, even though Simone Sanders is his like mouthpiece, whatever, like, you know, there, he has, he's hired a lot of black women. I don't think they are speaking to the demographic that actually goes out and votes. And, and like, Yes. There are a lot of older black people who are consistent voters who who voted for Joe Biden. That's how Joe Biden got his like 
firewall or whatever in South Carolina. And right. so Sanders just doesn't connect well. And he's got some like weird baggage in the way that he talks about race, I think, yeah. um, which isn't to say that Joe doesn't because Joe, Joe has his whole like Anita Hill thing. No, which is, <laughs> which is something we need to talk about. Right. But like, Again, like, the thing. there's misogyny about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, totally. But Bernie hasn't connected with, like, the black electorate. Like, I think he should. And that's that's why that, he's not doing but... well. Why don't you agree with that? I don't that? know. Because, I mean, I, I've seen a lot of young people, you know, the, the other large yeah. majority of this voting block, right, that Bernie has been able to activate that Biden hasn't. And he's openly acknowledged that, right? And also, I feel like a lot of these young people – or a lot of people of color too. Like they may not be the whole I don't consistent, think a, you know, black voters, but it's a new base. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think it's the race thing. I think it's the age yeah. thing. Because a lot of young people, a lot of college students who have rising debt, they are all for being able to afford college tuition, right? And Bernie talks about that all the time. So I feel like it's more of the age demographic where young support young voters are going to be voting for him I know, but rather than folks who are our age but actually I mean, like, like our parents age. how many of those people have actually went out to vote though because i know when yeah, I, like, that's, first time, that's yeah the like, like we, we all agree like a lot of people agree with that but who are those are actually moving to the voting thing because i know when i was there to vote um you know because minnesota voted and like i know when i was standing in line everybody was older than me and white yeah i was like the only color person there so i was just sort of like whoa okay i don't know if i just came too early or something <laughs> but i mean like you know like i don't know i'm a morning bird too so i mean like that fits with like my routine too but then like i was just sort of surprised like I'm yes like, school, yeah, so yeah, school. Sort of, like I mean, young you know, people like, are voting though i think like young right. people are coming out for the first time or you know to like really change um the the political activism like obviously maybe not in the numbers we want because you know we're not elected right. the leaders that we want but we're elected, yeah. I, but like i said i think if we all can just unite regardless of who is our final candidate and we just vote to get a new person in the office and i'm down for that and like i said yeah. I'm, I'm down to vote for that way and i think we all just need to like you know put our petty shit away if our candidate doesn't win okay and yes. like vote for like the better outcome of everyone else here so. here yes i i echo that completely like you know, at the end of the day, like we said, even if it's not who yeah. we want, like we just gotta, you gotta unite. Yeah, definitely. I know. Well, what would you say to the people who are like, because we, we, yeah, know, we know people who are like, like, oh, I'm just gonna stick it up. This is like, like, you know, like that's the issue with the Democratic but my Party. Thing is, just go with the nominee. But my thing is that, like, why would you like vote against someone who's completely like, nothing for you versus someone who might be like a little percentage for you so it's sort of like why would you do that like you just went against everything that you just stood up for and then you voted the other way just because you couldn't get your candidate in that just sounds like petty so it's like yeah. just suck it up and do it for yeah. like the greater good of everybody and don't do some petty vote okay <laughs> this isn't you know vice president in middle school okay so the thing is, I think it's not about voting for Trump, but it's just about people not turning out, right? Like right. turnout was really low in 2016. So it's more about people being like, well, I have no candidate that inspires me, so I'm just not going to go. And like that is also how Trump got elected, right? Um, I mean, which is not to say like Hillary won the popular vote, right? But if, if we had had like a bigger turnout in some of the states that um, Trump won, like, you know, that would have yeah, changed Yeah, those are the protest things. votes we're talking about, though. And I think- Yeah, well, but well, it's like- I, yeah, I thought you were like, saying like- 
really and then I think you have to define what you mean by protest vote. That just means they didn't vote yeah, they didn't at all. Vote they didn't even protest all. anything. Yeah. They didn't. Know, but that, a lot of people didn't. Did that's why Hillary lost because Bernie. Yeah, but that's not a protest vote. That means you just didn't show no. up. Protest vote is like mm-hmm. voting for no, Trump. No, that is a protest vote. Liz, no, protest vote was not showing up. The protest vote are the people who refused to vote for Hillary and were ad, like strong advocates for Bernie. They didn't vote for Hillary or Trump because Bernie was not their nominee. Like that's the protest vote. Mm-hmm. Or they voted for um, the lady who was running on the Green Party ticket. And that is what ultimately led to oh, Jill Stein. Yeah, Jill Stein. That was her name. Well, like, okay, but that's different. No, no, no. But like voting for her is a protest vote, but just not showing up is just no, a voter turnout. No, not showing up is the protest it's vote, Liz. The they refuse to vote. vote. That voting. is what the protest vote is about. And that's what we're saying. Don't be a selfish prick and go vote no matter who the Democratic nominee is. That's what I'm saying. Because some people don't have the luxury to vote and can't even voice their their concerns or opinions, yeah. right? So vote for the people who can't, right? Vote for the people who are going to be impacted by Trump's administration, like even if it's not you. Yeah. I was going to say that, you know, I even if your candidate isn't nominated at the end, the hard thing is that, you know, I feel like our country, as much as we want our country to be progressive, our country is not that progressive. Like We're we, not. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, a moderate candidate will win, like a moderate yeah. Democratic uh, candidate will win, right? Rather than somebody who is super, super radical, like Bernie Sanders, right? So for me, like, yes, my ideas do align with his. But at the same time, if you think about the demographics of our country, not everybody thinks that way. Not everybody is ready to be part of the revolution. And for me, like when I am thinking about who I'm voting for, like Monica, you have mentioned, it's about voting for people who can't vote. Like, you know, maybe your parents are not U.S. citizens or thinking about your community, thinking yeah. about the school system. Um, so for me, I'm just like, it's so, so important to not be protest vote like 2016. Well, hold on. I disagree with the point where you have to vote thinking about everybody else. You should just vote your conscience. Like, I think... If you if you like Bernie's ideals and you want to vote for him, you should, right? Because no, of course. But I mean, like, if Bernie's not the Democratic nominee, though, like, yeah, if Bernie is not the candidate, and it's Joe Biden. Yep. We still strongly encourage everyone to vote for him because if you're not going to vote for him, you're you're essentially supporting Trump's presidency. So I feel like this has been a really important conversation, given all of given all of the pressing issues. You know, we want we'll we'll share these resources on our website. Um, please stay engaged, be safe, um, stay healthy. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Social reach out to please. your. I know. Reach out to your family, your friends, your community to see how you can help in during this um, during this time. So uh, we will wrap up there, and we'll be sharing the resources. Yes. Um, Thanks so much. Stay safe, everybody. Yes, and stay healthy. Be well and be fortunate. (laughs) That sounds like a fortune cookie, Liz.